0: Hi everybody, Steve Holliday here and welcome back to my podcast, Our Leadership Voices Uncut. As you know, this podcast is dedicated to the sharing, revealing and the celebrating of the ordinary uncut leadership voices that um from the some of the people I've had the privilege to meet along the way in my life and of course some of the people that I will meet to come. It's also a podcast to explore my own uncut leadership voice and my own presence and impact. This uh, podcast is the third and final round with my eighth co-host, Grant Walker. Um, Having done how we know each other and what matters between us, this is that little experimental round that I'm doing with every co-host where I ask, what is it we notice in our voices? So let's dive in and uh, see what we said. Here we are for our um final round, having listened to um, both our podcasts I had another listen yesterday again just to tune back in so um, as I said to you the when we first kicked off this round is really an extra it's a bit of an experiment I don't know whether I'll keep this going in season two, but um, in season one it was you know the work is all, all about uncut voice so I'm interested in the what we make of our voice, our own voices, maybe the rhythm between us as well in di- with different people and know what that might tell us. And that's an open inquiry at the moment. It's just, uh, you know, I think what I'll do at the end of the season is go back through them all and pick up all the insights and then maybe conclude a little bit, offer something back. So, um, So this is a nice and short piece just to say. You know, of all of the kind of we did kind of 90 minutes, I guess, between there's roughly 80, 90 minutes of podcasting between there's telling stories. Um, What do we make of our voices? Um, One of the things I did realize we didn't talk about, which is relevant to voice and accent is I didn't actually say to you, tell the viewers a bit about your heritage. Where do you hail from? You know, where did you grow up? So. Um, I thought this might be a moment just to ask that, just to set some tone for everybody about, um, you know, your roots. So just say a bit about your roots, and then we'll dive into talking about voice. Uh, The first
1: 21 years of my life, I lived in Glasgow, so I'm a Glaswegian, but the the accent is not particularly Glaswegian, is what I get told by all my old friends on a regular <laughs> basis. So um I, I think partly that is because we had family from Newcastle. So my father's side uh were Leeds and Newcastle. Um and my mm. granddad was from Aberdeen. Um and then I spent quite a bit of time since I was 21 basically I've spent in mostly in England, a little bit in the States. Um, mm. and as I discovered when I got my first job, um, If I talked like a Glaswegian at the speed of a Glaswegian, nobody understood a word I was saying. So I've trained (laughs) myself over time to slow down and perhaps be slightly more understandable. Yeah, Um, a
0: bit bit more accentuated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. uh, My daughter was listening. Sasha was listening to me. I was had a workshop yesterday with a bunch of colleagues, and there was one Brit, and then the rest were either Swedish. or oh, finnish i think and um of course they speak really good english um as do lots of internationals but that's not a particularly difficult language pick, english language to pick up from them but afterwards my daughter said to me you sounded very different i said well she said you softened out your northernness, you know and mm. um your twangs and your um sayings and phrases you know you seem to be very Um, sort of a bit more middle of the road. And um, I said, yeah, yeah, I think you learn. You have to. Um, It's important, right? Because they've got their own first language, of course, that they're not speaking. I know you speak quite a bit of German, but um, I don't really speak another language. So I better make sure I'm clear in my own (laughs) Mm. language and not be so northern.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say I speak German. I I can listen to German. Ah, Uh, and i can I can have a hotel conversation in German, but I don't really speak German oh ah, okay but, I, can, I, okay. but I, I did do it at school um so mm. and I did French at school so i have I have the ability to survive, but I don't have the ability to converse oh
0: um, ah, okay I didn't know that when we when we've been together in Germany before, and I've seen you wander through hotels and at restaurants and converse, i thought oh uh, he's, he's got that under the bonnet so yeah, it, it's a, yeah. it's a confident. <laughs> it's
1: like, yeah exactly it is a black yeah. it's um yeah i think you should use the local language as much as you can if you can yeah um so i i, I try to speak the local language as much as i can but i don't mm. i couldn't mm. and of course if you're doing we did we did a lot of uh, project approvals where um i would join them part way through they'd be speaking in german and then they would swap to english but i yeah. could listen to it and understand a good bit of it before they would swap into English, but that's because it was sprinkled with technical terms and stuff that, yeah. so you could, you could catch the, yeah. you could catch and hook into what was being said. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah. 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 You know, interesting. Yeah. Well, let's, Um, we're just going to spend a few minutes. This is nice and short. Just what did we notice? What did we notice about our own voices? It's a neutral question. It's not meant to be a judgmental or an appreciative uh, uh, term. It's just a, Having listened back, what did we notice? Um, did you have anything particular that you pick up on?
1: Um, not particularly.
0: I think we I think we
1: fell into the conversation fairly easily because we had a lot of uh, common reference points in the conversation. So oh, yeah, when we were talking about stuff, I felt we meshed quite well together. I don't think there was any awkwardness uh, in the conversation. But I I, I didn't really, when I listened back, I didn't really pick up anything specific that I would say, um, that I would pick up on, to be honest. But I mean, maybe it's because I'm not looking for the same kinds of things you're looking for.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I do do think, I will just build a bit, I do think there is something about when you have history... And then you retell it. And when you have common ground and that you care about and that you believe in and that you're interested in and then you start to talk about it and then it builds. I do think that helps the rhythm of the voices. Um, And even when there is disagreement or a different perspective or a question or a challenge, it still comes in that. Um, I think you used the word, we talked about a lot about in the work we do, we want to create a level of safety so people can have real dialogue. Mm. I think that's what we're talking about, is that there's a level of psychological safety that says even if we fundamentally disagreed on something, or wanted to give each other feedback or challenge, the depth of relationship and and mutual understanding is there. And and you can hear it in the tone of the voice and the flow. Mm. So I wrote down the safety. I I wrote down the, I mean, I've been doing this with every co-host. So not that I wasn't these things with others, but I noticed this particularly, this is a this is a is Steve when he's with Grant. I noticed confidence, um, passion, and also I noticed there's I uh, I don't use this word hardly at all, but in some way in the storytelling of what we have done and are doing pride. And I don't use the word pride very often, but I think Mm. I could get a sense of, um, yeah, that is what we did, you know. And it is important, and it had a legacy. And um, in the curation of it, as you look at it, you can hear it in the... I don't think it's a particular marker of the voice. It's like an impression that is left. Well, they sounded quite passionate about it. Steve seemed quite confident. Actually, there was a pride in being able to... A healthy pride and been able to look back on it um which I hadn't really noticed with the others which okay. is interesting in its own right mm. why is it I notice it when I'm with Grant and not with the others because mm. I did tell some other pr- proud stories but I just think it, I just think there's something quite interesting I hold that as a question you know mm. Mm. interesting how you know, as I as I called the story it felt safe it felt rhythmic it felt I had confidence um the other thing that I noticed—it's a bit linked to safety—is what was interesting for me is I didn't sense too much shift in the tone of our voices when relaying the stories. A, a kind of a pra- there's kind of a pragmatism in the voice, which maybe is about safety. When, when you—I listened to a bit when you were describing what went well in the work and the impact it had, but also acknowledging the difficulty, the problems, giving the crane operator space to speak and be honest. And Mm. there wasn't too much fluctuation in the voice. There wasn't like a suddenly a darker version of your voice appearing or mine. It was like, a. it's almost like you're able to be in it and be passionate about it, but not be over attached emotionally to it being brilliant or it being dreadful. I mean, I'm not saying we don't have those moments where we lie in a darkened room and go, Christ, this is difficult. What the hell's going on? But in our regaling of those those conditions, do you remember when it was difficult? Do you remember when we want to make sure that we give them the chance to get the difficult stuff out as well as celebrate the good? Even in me saying that there, there wasn't much fluctuation in the... Um, It had energy, but it wasn't jumping around. Mm. Um, And uh, I think that's helpful when you're trying to create safety.
1: Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't Um, disagree. I think we both know, you know, we both lived it and worked through it, didn't we? And we were part of it. So, in that sense, I don't think, I don't think, and the other thing is, I think over the years, we've built the type of relationship where we're able to challenge each other if that's what's needed but we also understand the common threads we have in terms of our own uh, yep. behavioral approaches and the things that 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 enthuse us and engage us right and, yeah. and i think yeah i think because we had those common elements that was probably why the tone was like the tone was because it wasn't hard for us to to get to that place quite quickly yeah, even though we hadn't seen each other for probably the best part of two years or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I think, I think we were able to get
0: that's, there fairly mm, quickly. Yeah. Mm, that's, I mean, that in itself is quite interesting. I think that has come up with a few others. It's this idea of being present virtually, but then actually when you're physically together. And of course, we had the background noise of the cafe as well, which mm. was quite interesting in its own right. Might be distracting for some people, but was actually quite lively in that sense, being out in the, in the thick of it. Um, But um, the other thing I noticed, which isn't, I don't think it's merely about voice, but I think it's about process of the voice, which was there was often moments where we were using rhetorical questions quite a bit. So, you know, it wasn't all push. It wasn't all... um, here's what we know. It was moments where we, we would ask a question or we would be, I mean, you would ask me a question, I would ask you, but then we would also be saying, well, yeah, you'll reach that moment where you're gonna say, what is going on here? And um, so what's interesting to me in terms of how we use our power, particularly when we're with others, it's, and I'm thinking back to to the Elgin kickoff in 2012. You know, you're the senior director in the room. I'm there alongside you and we've got everybody there and we're inviting them in for this mission of where we need to go and then the work we're going to do for you to have this. I think to have this firm commitment to a destination, to an outcome, an outcome set of outcomes that has real certainty behind it at the same time as saying, I ain't going to rescue you. We, are, we all have to do the work. I'm a host mm. inviting you in. Therefore, I have a bunch of questions and you will have questions too. I think that came through when I listened to our voices. I thought, mm, it's not all push. There's moments where we pause and um, ask either questions of each other or rhetorical questions mm. that we imagine we would had or will have in the work that we do. Mm. And I, I think that's crucial, right? If we're... Otherwise, you're uh, some hero on a horse that thinks you've got nothing to learn. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I think I think at the minute you believe that there's nothing more you can take from interactions, experiences, working with people um, is the moment to get out of it, right? Because because yeah. you have to you have to go into it believing that you don't know everything and that there's always something new, powerful. Mm. Yeah. expectant and what you're doing, wherever the phraseology is. So I'm always looking for something different, uh, new, or or a reinforcement of the approach that we've used before. To to say to I don't know, validation's a word, but you know, some kind of reinforcement that you're taking the right approach through what people say or what people do. So for me, it's yeah, it's hard to not go into it looking to learn all the time. Um, yeah,
0: but I think it, it. What's quite interesting is there's often an inv- an invitation, particularly for leaders, senior leaders, and you've been in senior leader positions a lot. Is to we talked about it a bit in the podcast, I think, which is what's the answer, Grant? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you say, well, look, here's where here's what I would do, uh, and that course correction thing that you talked about, um, and uh, to be powerful in saying, and I won't have all the answers, and I can't mm-hmm. do it all, and there'll be some bends we can't see yet. And that's the, that's the difficulty for a lot of people is the, is the idea that there's a certainty and uncertainty mm. to it. But I think I heard that in our voices, which I was quite, it's interesting I use this word, I was quite pleased about, which sounds mm. quite um, an assessment somehow, <laughs> like a, mm. a school math, a school assessment of was your voice good enough? You know, Because that's not what I meant. Um, there maybe a couple of other things just to, just to note is it was, this was more content. Um, we refer a lot we 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 you and I, I and mean, maybe this isn 't unique, but it is certainly unique for you and I as we are grounded back always in real stories, mm. so it always moves from like the boardroom and thinking um, abstractly you know thinking at, at the spaceship helicopter level, but then quickly you get flooded with in our stories of people through the system, a project Mm. manager, a site manager, a safety person, a customer, a crane operator, you know, it it doesn't, it's not living long in the, in the, in the spaceship. It's, Mm. uh, I think we talked about, didn't we, it moves through. But what that brings is the real fabric of um, richly described um, stories and moments and equipment and kit and people uh, I, I, I heard that and I thought, yeah, okay. That's so important that we, um, otherwise why are we here, right? What, mm. If we can't, you, if you can only describe it abstractly without richly describing it for real, the real stories of the real people at every, in every part of the system doing their job. Um, and I noticed you particularly do that naturally. I think. I mean, I think I do it, but I think you you particularly do that quite naturally. It's referencing, I guess. It's history and stories.
1: Well, it's your experience, isn't it? You're bringing your experience and the things that have worked and the things that haven't worked for you into into the interaction. Mm. I think. I think. I think we live in a world that wants to be living in the future and theoretical all the time rather than learning from what has worked and what hasn't worked in the past. Right? Yeah. Right? And and then yeah. bringing that to the present. The question, you know, you need to bring those experiences to the present and then look at them and think about how do you apply them to to the future that you want to create in an effective way? Because some of those things that haven't worked, well, let's not fall into that trap again, but let's talk about it and make sure that
0: yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah.
1: that is, yeah. you know, not mm. the right. Thing for us to pull into this situation. Let's talk about the things that have worked, and but let's not just take them and repeat them. Let's take them and see if we can build on them and make something better. Yeah, which is is you know that improvement paradigm is really important. Yeah.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that fits with my last thing to say. Other than as I've got a final question, which is, I wrote down that we are, we are more in a metaphor. It, it sound we sounded more like chefs. Developing a dish and wondering what the ingredients might be than 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 menu writers. So we're not. You know, when we open a restaurant, if we, if we opened a restaurant together, we wouldn't just say, let's sit in a room and, and write what the menu is. There would be a much more interesting process of then getting the chefs involved in creating mm. different versions and throwing in some ingredients and then tasting it <laughs> and, and actually then getting, right, I think we're getting the flavor now. Now we're getting to the right ingredients. And I think that's the improvement paradigm that says your, your con- consequent con- you're uh, consistently bringing to the dishes what you think will work at the same time as open to experimenting and deciding that actually this isn't the right. I did it. I made it this way last time. It isn't going to work this time. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, I think there's leadership in that too. So that's why I wrote chefs, not just menu writers. Um, you know, I think I like that. Um, maybe just to finish then, um, what do you if we were to do I haven't done this with anybody else but maybe just to finish what would we say if we if the version of us 10 years from now came back in time maybe we don't want to meet the version of us in 10 years let's <laughs> see uh, but if the version of us 10 years from now came back in time to this moment and and was to say uh, in relation to the dialogue you need to to have in order to have real change in organizations and to help the leaders and the teams to thrive and be their best. What would the version of us 10 years ago, what would be the strongest piece of advice that that version of us would give us around um, how we use the power of our voice? What would be the, there'd be many things they would give us on a big list, but what would be the first thing that would come to mind that you think the version of you would whisper in your ear and say, Grant, what what i know really works that you already do well is steve what what i already know works is what what comes to mind
1: uh i'm struggling a little bit with the question to be honest the concept of a 10 year a, a future version of me 10 years in the future coming back and whispering in my ear is something I'm
0: yeah.
1: struggling away. But, it, but if, <laughs> I gonna, if I was going to, if I was going to do it the other way, which is go back 10 years from where I am now ah, and, okay. and whisper to the version of me younger, the younger version of me, I think, I think the, okay. the, the, the things that always come into my head are don't, you know, try harder to not look like you always have the answer. Cause that's my, that's my thing, right. Which is that, I, you know people have the impression I have the answer, but that that's comes from a confidence level that you try to that you try to portray when you're a leader in the organization because a lack of confidence as a leader is seen it's yeah. not weakness, but it doesn't help you from a leadership perspective moving the organization forward no the extent to which you've solved the problem yourself versus as you've just said talked about the the chef analogy versus the willingness to work with others to build the solution and how that, that comes across to people is really important for me. So, mm. you know, 10 years from now, I'd probably still be saying it, to be honest to me, which is, is, you know, you need to find a way that shows that you are inclusive and engaging in the solution to problems and that you don't always have the answer. In fact, in many times you have three or 4% of the answer and you actually need the, the others to bring their parts of the answer to create something that's the most powerful, Mm. you know, and your role as a leader is to stitch it all together and to create something out of it. So, so to build a method in your analogy, to, to assemble the ingredients and to, to build a method to create something that's fabulous tasting, Mm. right? That's the role of the leader is to do that. Um, so, you know, I would always be trying to poke myself in the arm and say, Mm -hmm. don't forget that you're only successful because you, you know, you're surrounded by people that are really good at what they do Mm. and that you need to always remember to value what those people bring to the equation and, and to also get them to pull it forward and offer it to the best of their ability as well.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very nice. And a great, great, um, kind of, um, link to the chef's metaphor there uh let me take up your um your counter offer which is a good one so um you know 10 years back in time going back 10 years ago um 15 years ago i i think um i think there's two things spring to mind for me i think my younger self was definitely convinced that the primary route was to bring high energy positive psychology you know get people cheered up um to get their belief level so high that everything was anything was possible and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that of course but what I've learned now is that's only one ingredient <laughs> um what I actually think would, would be whispered in my ear would be and this was I guess the learning from my dissertation breakthrough really when I was studying was um was um you can you can be what I called wild passionate positive but you also have to be safe so the wisdom, I think, would be allow your voice to meet their voice or so meet them where they are. Whatever the, whatever the urgency of the organization, whatever the worry, the fear, the want to change it, you have to honor meeting people where they are, which brings you right into the present. So you're going to espouse the future but you have to meet people where they are whatever you've got in your locker to bring mm. you'll just run them over otherwise and that leads to a second piece which I think I've learned which is before the question what's the answer Stephen the real, the real thing to ask is what's the right question mm-hmm. <laughs> Have we got the right question? Never mind the right answer. <laughs> Are mm. we asking ourselves the right question? I can remember times where in our sessions where you and or I have said, I'm not sure we're asking the right question. Never mind, we've got the right answer. So mm. both of those take me away from pushing and into leaning back and, and letting something come to me, which is so, which was so counterintuitive for the way I was, mm. more, more dominantly 10, 15 years ago. So um there's nothing all that push exists right and it still comes i'm not here we said in our podcast we're not here to just sit around we want to do something of significance together um but that that will always be there but meet people where they are make it safe allow them to to reveal it and then you'll know how you can help them um mm. and make sure you're asking the right questions um so i think that's i guess i've learned that in the last 10 years and of course, from a voice point of view, that's, that's quite important. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Very nice. Let's pause there. Grant, it's been a real pleasure. Um, um, I've been waiting a while to do this one. So I know we didn't get to do the, uh, you know, we, we waited a while, but the fact that you came to see me was great. And, uh, we actually spent a bit of physical time together, which is a beaut. So I will, um, I'll pull together the summary and, um, um, put a front end on it. And, um, We'll we'll let people enjoy that and uh but thanks for, for participating. I think this will be the first of many, I hope.
1: Yeah. Very uh, good. As
0: time goes on. Good stuff.